You guys are awesome. It was a good day, man. <laughs> I, I, I was sitting there just in practice, and I was just like crying, listening to the worship team. And um, hmm. I'm a crier. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I was in olden times, I would have been the town crier. <laughs> that would have been my job. They're like, dude, you're only made for one thing. You can only do one thing well. It's cry. <laughs> Thank you. It's a fake, fake laugh. It's an embarrassing laugh. Um, <clears throat> but I like the sky's the limit with you guys. And I, I, love, um, I love the diversity that we have and that we're gaining. And so Kyle, Sarah, Gage, Nia, I wanted to call you Gabe. I think that's a joke, inside joke. Gabe. <laughs> I don't know what it means, I just overheard, I was eavesdropping, you know, and uh, Jamie, you guys, Jacob, you guys are awesome, and the sky's the limit, the rest of the worship team, man, there's no, no limits, have some accompaniment going, that's what they do on the radio, so there's no dead space, yeah, play a little accompaniment music, <laughs> but I, I, was, I was talking with Matt, you know, this morning during practice, when you see people come to the door to look in to see, who's, who's that? What's, what's going on in there? And they thought it was a CD. It was that quality. They, it was really cool. So I wanted to tell you all that. And I, I've been telling everybody at the back, man, new, they're ready for radio. Nia's got a radio voice. Jamie's got a radio voice right now. And um, I, I love it. <sighs> so the sky's the limit. Kyle, have fun, man. <laughs> Just leading and releasing people. If you have a musical talent, a musical gift, don't sit on it. Yeah. Just, just don't stay where you're at and not use it. Go for it. Start writing. Start writing songs. If you, don't, if you can't sing but you can write wonderful poetry and lyrics, start writing. We've got people ready to take it and put it on albums and whatever else comes from it. So this is, this is like a 15-year dream of mine. When I was a youth pastor, we didn't have a worship team, and so our our older worship pastor, who was awesome, would come and lead worship for our youth group when we first started, and it was great, and I was so thankful that he did it, because otherwise we would have been playing CDs or whatever, tape back then, or whatever it was, you know, just to lead worship, and so that was great, but I was always like, God, I, I, I want kids to come out of our youth group and lead our worship, and so that's when Kyle's like, hey, I can, I can learn to play guitar, and Matt, hey, I don't know anything, but I can learn to play guitar, and all of a sudden, we started having musicians left and right in our youth ministry raised up. And, and so to this day, I mean, I can't even count how many different guitar players, drummers, bass players was born out of that. And my heart was for us to always write music that touched the heart of God and touched other people. And so it's cool to see the extension of that coming here. And so church, get ready. I, I don't know who it was. I was maybe it was, it was Darren. And I, I feel like we're right on the, the edge of something that... I really do, like, I'm almost scared to look at it, you know what I mean, like, dude, something big's coming, something big is, it's not even, it's right here, it's within reach, and I, you know, when, you, when you're out camping and you start a fire, you can, you can, you can smother the fire, you can, you can tend to it too much, and you can tend to it too little, I don't want to do either one of those things, I don't want to ignore what God's doing and, and then it go out, and I don't want to smother what God's doing and make it go out as well. I want to have the, just the right touch and the right focus in the right areas and, and just to partner with what he's doing. I don't need to add anything or take anything away. You don't need to add anything or take anything away. It's just, God, what are you doing? Let's do it. 
And so, um, I, I just, God, I just ask that you would help us as a church. I feel like there's a moment here for us to apprehend. And God, we don't want to miss our moment. ready? Oh, that's good. Good stuff. If you want to open your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> we're just going to go through this. Uh, I probably won't be able to, for time and stuff, get into everything that I want to on this, but I want to set a foundation. Um, I feel like God's really been talking to us about the glory of God, and I guess it was the last two weeks we've referenced the story where the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon and she was in awe of, of him and of the excellence that he carried. And the Lord's just really continued to talk to me out of that. And, and what she was in awe of was it was the glory of God resting on a man who was submitted to the glory of God. And it manifested in Solomon's life as excellence. It was excellence. She matched him in wealth. She matched him in, 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 in wisdom and stature. Or, you know, not exactly in wisdom, but she matched him in knowledge of running a kingdom. She matched him in all the things that kings would have. I mean, she was almost an equal to him in that time, right? But there was something about Solomon that she couldn't quite get access to. And when she saw it, she was in awe of it. And it was the glory of God. And it showed to her as excellence. And I want to really just keep driving into this. There's a nature, there's a divine nature of God that's the glory of God, and it manifests through excellence in our lives. It manifests through, through ability to do things that we couldn't do in the flesh. And so today I want to I I challenge us to become partakers of the divine nature. Yeah. I mean, really, what, what does that mean? And, and as, as I was studying for this, the Lord really opened some things to me, and hopefully I can get into to get all of it out of my mouth <laughs> into your heart. Um, today. So God, we just ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. Why don't you say that with me? God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. Second Peter chapter one, I'm gonna start with verse three. <clears throat> and he, op he starts out and he says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. Everyone say everything. He's granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. I could just stop there and seriously just hit on that over and over again. He has given to us. He has released to us through the, through the atonement, through the sacrifice of Jesus and him being raised from the dead. In that transaction, he released to us everything that we needed that pertained to life and to godliness. Everything. Everything, not, not almost everything, not 95%, everything that you and I need for life and for godliness has been released to us. It's been made available to us, right? And then he goes on and he says, through the true knowledge of him, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. So there's that word excellence again. Glory and excellence always go together. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take my time through this, and we'll go as far as we can go, all right? His divine nature 
is activated in us when we realize that our identity is that we're sons and daughters. All right. This has been a, this has been like a, a, an eight or nine year thing that God's been having. To, I've raised in church my whole life. And so I was raised with a religious mindset. I was re- raised with a um, I do things for God. He does things for me mindset. Just, you know, I, I'm not, you know, slamming everything I learned because thank God for it brought me to where I am today. So I'm not angry for the past. I just felt like it was a little less than what he has for us or it was a step in the process to where we are now. And, and the Lord's just been hitting this identity thing over and over again. Jared, you're a son. You don't have to do anything to earn my love. And then once you realize that you're a son, then you'll live like a son. And all the things that you're trying to do in the flesh or through religion or through whatever else will be taken care of because you'll live out being a son. It just comes with who we are. So he says that he's he's provided, he's made available to us everything that we need for life and godliness. When we come into the true knowledge of who he is, and he, he says that we can become partakers of his divine nature. This is how we can, this is the only way we can partake of his nature, is to be of him. We, we can't come from the outside or from any other way and, and, and connect ourselves to him and begin to receive who he is in our lives. It's only through becoming a son or a daughter. Is that, is that making any sense? If we get that wrong, everything else is wrong. If I live Christianity, if I live my life, if I try to do everything I can to please God and I do it outside of being a daughter or being a son, then I've got it all wrong from the start. It will never equal. It will always be incongruent. It will always not match up. The equation will always fail. I have to start that I'm a child of God. In 1 Corinthians um, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and 21, he talks to us about that, that the risen Christ is the first fruits of those who were dead. And that as Jesus died and was risen, then now we can be alive. Because we were dead. Until he did that, then he became, he rose as the first fruits so that you and I could be raised as sons and daughters. In 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, What manner of love has the Father lavished upon us that we should be called children of God? And that is what we are. So if we want to learn to be partakers of the divine nature and to begin to see the manifestation of everything we need for life and godliness in our lives, if we want to see that become real and not just a promise in the scripture, then we have to start, I'm a son or I'm a daughter. I love the picture of when Jesus was baptized and, and, he, and as he's in the water, the Bible says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came and rests upon the sun as a dove. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my son. I am so pleased with him. How many sons out there love it when your dad says, man, I'm pleased with you. You're a good man, son. Even when we get older, we, I just love it. Man, you're a good man. I love to hear my dad tell me, you're a good man, Jared. Like, man, man. So I like to tell my dad, hey, dad, you're a good man. Because we all love to hear that. I'm pleased. You please me. And I love that this happened before Jesus ever did anything supernatural on the earth. Before he ever raised anyone who was dead, before he ever turned the water into wine, before he even died on the cross, God says, hey, I want you to know that you're my son, and I'm pleased with who you are. I love our connection. I love that you see me as your father, and I want you to know that I'm pleased with you. And because of that acceptance of his identity, Jesus didn't turn on healing. He didn't turn on compassion. He didn't turn on the supernatural. 
He just was the Son of God on the earth. And everything that he did was what the Son of God should do on the earth. And what, what is being said here in 2 Peter is that divine nature that we saw in Jesus, that was the direct representation of who the Father is, because Hebrews says that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen it in Jesus, you see it in God. That same nature that was in Jesus and is in our Father is available for you and I to see in our lives. How many want to, I want the divine nature. I love that they were saying, I want to be heaven-minded. I want to be heaven-minded. I, I feel that so strongly. <clears throat> see, access to his nature comes through an encounter with him, who's the truth. Truth is not an encounter with information. That's where we get it. We've gotten it. So we've become so, and I love the word of God, but we've become so word-based in church that we think that we know something because we, we have information. And we've missed out that, no, the, the word of God, the Bible, was meant to be experienced, was meant to be encountered. So as I read through this, the things that are on the, on the pages, that whether they're in black letters or red letters, should be experiences that I'm seeing in my life. It's made available to me. The only way that it's really truth is when I experience it. I love the old saying that says, you know, someone with, a, with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. You, you, can't, you can't argue with someone who experiences something. When I have a theory or an idea, you can argue with me ideas all day long, and we can go back and forth. And usually what happens when we argue ideas is I give a little and you give a little. Because you're right in some ways and I'm right in some ways, and we find a place where we come to a common ground, and we call that truth. That's not truth. Truth stays where it is. Truth is who he is. So the only way I can really partake in the divine nature is to experience who he is in my life. It's not information. It's encounters. And I, I feel like I've had like 10 encounters this morning with him. I just would feel him. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You would feel him come into the room and you would think that, that it was over. And then he would come back and say, hey, I'm still here. And you get goosebumps or whatever you want to call them. And you just that's the encounter with him. And, and every encounter that you and I have with him is the way, the truth, the life. Every time we encounter him, it's not him just coming and saying, hey, I want to make your life a little bit better right now. He's not coming down and saying, hey, I want to give you relief from the, from the pressures that you're feeling right now. Here, let, encounter me for a moment and let the pressures go away. And then, you know, whenever you're done with me, I'll leave and you can take your pressures back. It's an encounter that's offered as a lifestyle. Every encounter with him is an invitation into a lifestyle. When Jesus told the disciples, hey, come and follow me, how many of them only followed him for like a, a little bit and said, well, this is old, I'm done, I'm tired of following you? Like there was something in his command, say, hey, come and follow me, that was a permanent thing for them. <laughs> it was a permanent thing, and they recognized it, and their spirit said, whoa. This is somebody I want to, I'll follow till the day I die. Because I just had an encounter with the, the Messiah, the guy we've been waiting for, and I just encountered him, and he told me to follow him, then I'm going to follow, there was no question in their heart of how long I'm going to follow him. How long is this going to last? Am I an apprentice until I get my own place, you know, kind of thing. They followed him. They were with him.
So here's where I want to challenge us. Are we living the divine nature? This is going to hurt a little, I promise, because this hurt when the Lord was talking to me about it. Still talking to me about it. Is there a difference between the way we live now as free sons and daughters and the way we lived when we were dead? Is there a difference? Like, we can say, I'm free all day long. But if someone was watching a movie of our life, like they had a before and after scene of us before Christ and after, would the movie shift? Would there be something different about the second movie? Or am I still sitting in the same place, thinking the same way, experiencing the same things? Because if, the, if they're the same, then I, did, I didn't partake of the divine nature. Because it wasn't just to forgive me for my sins. Jesus didn't do everything he did just to forgive us for our sins. If that was the case, he would have stayed in the ground. He would have just stayed there and said, hey, it is finished. My part is done. I'll see you some other time. But that wasn't, it wasn't the full purpose of what Jesus came to do. He came to be raised from the dead. It was a symbolic, it was a prophetic act saying that the Son of God came, he died, we died with him, he died as us. Every sin, every fault, every uh, weakness that we have was, was put on him at the cross. It was punished then. Then he was put in the ground and when he died and we died with him. And the same thing is true that as he rose from the dead and came back to life, then you and I were to come to life. Something should happen. There should be a shift in the way that we do life. There should be a distinct difference between the before and after. A big difference. I was, I was scolded this week on the radio by a man, I, I will not name his name, but he's an amazing man. I listened to him on the radio, he's a political guy. And he said, I want to call out all you pastors all you Christians, what are you doing different than unbelievers? What are you living in right now that's different than the world? It's like, man. He says, I want to call out all Americans. You say you're a free country. How are you living as free people? Is it really freedom or is it not? And I was like, God, you just keep hitting the same thing. What's different? Something should be different. There should be a distinct difference inside of us. Does the fruit of our life reflect who he says that we are? Why do I have more confidence in who I think I am than who he thinks I am? Why is it so easy for my behavior to follow what I believe about myself? Why is that easier than to let my behavior become just who he says I am? We've got it flipped. The one that we worship is the one we will become like. We worship ourselves, then we will continue to reap from ourselves. We put God in the seat of authority and really worship Him, then we will become like Him and our life will, will take on the characteristics of the divine nature. Oh, me? Which of his available promises are we partnering with? 
He says, I've given you these many precious promises. They're all ready for you. They're waiting for you to, to take them and access them. Which one have you partnered with? What are you asking God for that's, that's off the mats impossible? <laughs> like, man, there's no way that can happen. Why not? Why not? I, I keep hearing that. I, it's like God challenging the way that we think. It's so easy to let everything around us dictate the depth and the, uh, the depth of our thought or the scope of our dreams. It's just easy to, to get into the daily routine of life and then to, to have every dream based upon what I see right in here. And it just we just get into that routine and we call it our lot in life or we just say, well, th- you know, this is just the way it's going to be. Maybe someday it'll be better than this. No, right now he has made available to us his divine nature. Everything we need for life, life and godliness is available to us. And it comes through us through just saying, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm going to act like a son or a daughter. Amen. Let's go for just a little bit more. Verse 5 in 2 Peter 1. He says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance. Other translations say add to your knowledge self-control. Add to your self-control perseverance. Add to your perseverance godliness. And in your godliness, add brother kind, brotherly kindness. And to, in your brotherly kindness, add love. And then he says this powerful verse, verse 8. You should write this and remember it. How many want to be effective in life? I mean, really effective. I want to be fruitful. I want to be effective. I want to matter. Here's the key to success. Right here, verse 8. If these qualities are yours and they are increasing then you will never be useless or unfruitful in your knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. What were those qualities? Diligence, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness. If you'll take these qualities, it says possess these qualities and then increase the value of them, then you will never be unfruitful. (laughs) So in other words, he's saying steward the divine nature that's inside of you. These things are divine qualities. You should have these. Everybody still with me? You should have these qualities. They should be present and increasing because God doesn't have a kingdom that, that, that stays where it is. It's always increasing. It's a prophetic word of the, in, in Isaiah. The increase of his government and of his peace, there'll be no end to it. So when God comes into us, the, the, the original encounter should just be the starting point. The breakthrough moment. See, for some reason, a lot of us, the highlight of our life was the day we got saved. I looked for years. The highlight of my life was when I finally said an all capital yes to God. I was like, thank God I finally did that. All those little bitty yeses through the years that were like this, head voice yes. How many of you ever talked to someone and, and you ask them a question whether they believe somewhere and they say yes and you knew they didn't believe it because where it came from in their, their voice sounded in their head voice? And I would say, God, I, I love you, <laughs> in my head voice. And then God's like, no, I need, a, I need an answer. <laughs> I need an answer. So we put all capital yes on our heart. 
when that, that stuff begins to take place, that, then our life should go from glory to glory. Our, our salvation or, or the day we are, we are set free from an addiction or whatever, fill in the blank. That should not be the top of the mountain for our Christian experience. It should be the, it should be the entry point into a limitless <laughs> kingdom. Unlimited possibilities. From glory to glory. You guys still with me? I'm going to hit, hit a couple more things and we'll just have part B later. So he's saying steward these qualities. When I grew up, I always thought of stewardship as just taking care of something. I mean, kind of understood. We just take care of something. I'm a steward. I'm responsible for this, so I'm going to take care of it. But it's not just taking care of something. It's actually increasing the value of something. In the Bible, good stewards were always those that took something that was given to them. The parable of the talents. The ones that were good stewards took what God gave to them. And they didn't just maintain it, bury it in the ground. That, that's what we would call, I took care of it, I didn't lose it. Stewardship was I actually increased the value of it. And so he says, well done, good and faithful servant. In some place, well done, good and faithful steward. You've been faithful over a few things, now I'm going to make you ruler over many. Why? Because there's a principle in your heart that takes what I give you and allows for increase. So the two pictures, before and after, before Christ, after Christ, am I seeing the characteristics and the qualities that he just listed there in increasing measure in my life? All right. All right, this is it. I'm going to finish verse 9, and then we'll just do part B later. Man, I really want to get to the end. Can't wait. We'll see what happens. Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted. Ooh, don't you always love it when God says you're blind and you're short-sighted? How can you be blind and short-sighted? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It's like you're lame and you can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> you lack these qualities you're blind and short-sighted because you have forgotten the purification of your former sins oh man so lacking any of these qualities if i'm lacking moral excellence kindness love gentleness diligence self-control if i'm lacking any of those qualities it's because i have forgotten what he's freed me from it's so good for us to look back at what he did for us it's not okay to look back and longingly remember who we used to be and associate with that old person. It's not okay to do that. We, I, I love, I heard this years ago, but anytime we, we deal with the old self outside of the blood of Jesus, it's witchcraft because we're raising something that's dead. It's, it's, we're talking to someone who doesn't exist anymore. It's witchcraft. I wish I could say necromancy or something like that, dealing with the dead. And it's witchcraft. And so anytime I view myself apart from the blood of Jesus, I'm in the wrong spirit. And so if I'm not possessing these qualities, if I, it's because I'm not looking back and remember, man, God, you, forget, you forgave me of a lot of stuff. Thank you so much. Because what that does is it propels us into the divine nature. Remembering what he did at the atonement. 
take the word atonement and break it up at one meant. At one meant. I always think of the atonement, it's not just in forgiving my sins, but it's the moment that I became one with him. At one meant. Atonement. We became one. We, the, the, the wall that divided between God and man was torn. The veil was ripped from top to bottom. And it wasn't here, just come access how awesome I am. I am. That was part of it. He wanted us to experience how awesome he is. But it wasn't just for us to watch the show of how awesome God was. It was so that we could join in with him as sons and daughters and begin to demonstrate for everyone that we see how awesome he is. It's, 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 a, it's a lifestyle shift. Amen? See, as, we, as he lives in us, we become like him. It's just the way it's supposed to be. My heart is, is not for us to be good Christians. I don't, I don't want to just be a good Christian. And Matt smiled. He feels that with me. I don't want to be a good Christian. I don't want to be good at obeying the rules of Christianity. But I want to be really good at what we sang about this morning. I just love your presence. And I'm a lover of your presence. And that's all I want to be. That's it. I, I, if we can do that, as we worship him, we'll become like him. Amen? I think I can finish this real quick. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm gonna do it. My dad used to do this when he preached. How many give me five minutes? Oh, cheesy joke. <laughs> One, two, I got 30 minutes. <laughs> like, cheesy dad. <laughs> oh, I love those things that my papa used to do it, I guess. He learned it from him and he probably learned it from someone else. And now I'm joining in the cheesiness. Verse 10, I'll read through this real quick. It says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain your calling and, your ch and his choosing of you. For as long as you practice this, these things, you will never stumble. Oh, so not only will I be fruitful and I'll become like him, but I won't even stumble and fall. It's his promise. And then he says this, verse 11, for in this, for in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied for you. Here's where the divine nature meets our everyday life. As I do these things, not only will I not stumble, I'll become like him. And me becoming like him will attract the way he is. It will attract his nature. It will attract the, 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 actually the, act, the presence of heaven, which is him. It will attract him into my life. To where that anything that's, that's contrary to how he operates will be confronted. It's the, the divine nature does this. It just does it. Sickness will be confronted just by us being who we are. I, I really, I, I've been praying for, for everyone in our church to have healing in their hands. And, you know, our whole life, we just felt like there was, you know, I had to get to, you know, a double black belt in Christianity before I could have healing, you know. <laughs> like, I get there, I can have it. Or I had, to, I had to have this much experience, or I had to, be, had to pray so much, you know, so many hours a day, or I had to read so many scriptures, or had to have this, you know, doctrine in divinity or whatever. And, like, healing was made available to every believer as they surrender themselves as sons and daughters and begin to, to live out the divine nature of Christ in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, confronting anything in our life that stands opposed to who he is. See, it's time for us to begin to see healing as, 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 a, as a, a weapon of God confronting sickness, which is directly opposed to God's heart. We have to begin to see sickness and disease as an outright injustice and rebellion against a good God. Like, it, that's really what it is. Sickness, disease, pain, suffering, any evil in society, it's, it's not just life. It's not just human, they, our bodies are going to break down. No, it's not just that. It is an actual rebellion against what Jesus did at the cross. And whenever I begin to have the divine nature of God inside of me, it will begin to confront anything that is in rebellion against God in my own heart and in anything in the atmosphere around me. It, and it's not a worked up thing. It's not a skill that you learn how to use. It's not a magic you know, formula that we, that we recite and then healing takes place. It's the presence of God coming to earth, confronting anything that's opposed to him. Man, Jesus just released himself and people were touched. They would just touch his robe and be healed. And you're like, well, that was Jesus. Well, then the, the apostles, their shadows were healing people so much so that the word spread everywhere on Facebook and Twitter that, hey, if you get in the shadow of the apostles, you'll get healed. They don't even have to pray for you, call you out, nothing. Their shadow... You get on the certain side of the street, and so they would line people in the street that were sick and lame and dead, and as the apostles were just walking in their everyday life, their own shadow would just heal people. And you and I hear stuff like that, and we think, man, that was the apostles. That was, that, they were special people. Yeah, they were special people because they just said yes. He said, come follow me, and they didn't stop. He said, come be with me. And they said, wherever you go, I go. And your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. There was something that took, and I feel like God's not just, this is not information for us today. This is not information for me. This is not information for you. This is invitation into experiencing what we're learning right now. Practicing it, living it out, taking chances. Taking risk. He says that we literally become partners and gates to heaven. You remember when, when, when uh, Jacob falls asleep and he has the dream. And he calls the place Bethel because he saw a ladder ascending from earth to heaven. Heaven to earth. And angels were ascending and descending. And he says, surely this is the place of God. This is, God, this is the gate of heaven then you and I have been called the gates of heaven now. We have, if we have these qualities and we become the divine nature that takes hold inside of us, then what it does is it brings us to a place where we now have regular access to the actual gate of heaven, to where we can let things in or close things off. You and I have the authority to do that. You guys still with me? <clears throat> I want to read Luke chapter 11 real quick, 9 through 20, and we'll close this up. Luke chapter 11. I've read these stories, and because they break them up in your Bible, you often read the story and quit, and then you read the next story and assume that they're separated. 
through time or through, you know, thought. I mean, you agree with me, you're studying the Bible, you think that sometimes. And so as I'm reading this, the Lord says these stories weren't to be separated. There's a common theme through it, and I want you to get it. So Luke 11, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and whoever seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Then he goes and says this. Now suppose one of your fathers, uh, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he give him a snake instead of the fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? He says, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Then the story quits. And I thought, man, that's really good. It is good. I mean, he's awesome. He's our father. If I ask for something, he's not going to give me the opposite. Amen. But then he goes on. And the stories are supposed to, they should be linked, but they're not. It says, and he was casting out a demon, and it was a mute demon. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them began to talk amongst themselves, and they said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And others, to test him, were demanding of a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid to waste, and a house divided against itself falls. And then he says this, if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if, by Beelzebub, and if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God then the kingdom has come upon you. And I thought, man, there's two really crazy stories. Ask, keep asking. Knock, keep knocking. Seek, keep seeking. If you ask, you're going to get what you ask for. It's the Father's pleasure to give you his kingdom, right? And then, he, then it shifts and he casts out this demon. They're going, hey, he's casting out this demon because he is associated with the demons. So that demon is a lesser demon because he's carrying Beelzebub, the chief of demons in him so by the chief demon he's casting out a weaker demon and he's going how does this how's that make any sense he's like if the kingdom is divided how can it do these things and i begin to draw these things i'm like so what's the point to all this those in the kingdom are in the kingdom of sons and daughters and it's impossible for sons and daughters to not get what they ask for second thing I gained from those, those readings, sons and daughters will manifest the will of heaven on the earth. My life, the divine nature living through me, will in itself manifest God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Number three thing that I get from that, sons and daughters in the kingdom will confront darkness because they are aligned with him. Darkness will be confronted. The fourth thing that I got is light cannot cast out light, and darkness cannot cast out darkness. See, if I position myself as a son, it's impossible for me not to have the divine nature. It's impossible. So if, 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 
if I'm not seeing the divine nature in my life, it's an easy fix. You don't have to do anything. There's not a list of things like, I say, hey, if you need to do this, come to the altar today. And if you need to do this, then you can have the divine nature. There's no formula. The key to, to having the divine nature is to submit ourselves as sons and daughters. You're God, you're dad. I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I'm going to continue to position myself as a son, and that's what's called righteousness. Righteousness is not the way we behave. Righteousness is who we are. Jesus Christ said that we are the righteousness of God. What's the rest? In Christ. (laughs) In Christ. It's a relational thing. Righteousness means I'm in right standing with the Father. It means that I am positioning myself as a son. Now, my sons can misbehave. They're really good at it. (laughs) I can misbehave. I'm really good at it if I want to, right? All of us. That doesn't change my identity as a son or daughter. Here's the key. We think that our behavior changes our identity and it disconnects us from the divine nature. What we need to realize is that when we do misbehave, and what I mean by that is act in a way that's opposite of his nature. When I do that, I still have to stay positioned as a son or as a daughter. I can't run and try to fix myself and then come back and say, okay, I'm a son now. Are you happy with me? So there's something really unique about this. We have to love the discipline of the Lord. We really have to love it. Like love it when God just bends us over his knee and spanks us. (laughs) Like, oh, thank you, God. I love you so much. Do it again. <laughs> just just that, that need in me. Because <laughs> when we run from him, we're not acting like sons and daughters. Because he says he disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines his son. So love the discipline of the Lord. So it's this thing where we get all crazy in our thinking and we disconnect. It's the worst thing that any of us can do is to disconnect or to break fellowship as a son or daughter or to say, I'll be back when I get myself together. How long is that going to take? It's not going to happen. But we have to learn is being part of the divine nature is knowing, yeah, I've messed up or I've fallen short or I've missed the mark. That's not going to define me because I'm going to position myself as a son right now and I'm going to say, Father, what, what did I, what do I need punished? Oh, he doesn't punish us. I want him to punish the sin in my life. I do. I want him to discipline me. I said the word punish and everyone freaked out because they know how much I hate the thought of God being a punisher. He's not. But for this, these terms, you understand what I'm saying? What do I need to do, God? What do I need to be spanked in? What do I need to be taken care of? Because I want to please you as your son. I want to be pleasing to you. Not only... Not only with the behavior, with my heart. I want to stay here. And we just get all out here and all crazy. So we don't get to pick and choose which part of the kingdom touches us. 
It transforms all of us or ultimately none of us. William P. Young, who's the author of The Shack, great book, says transformation is complete when there is no difference between the truth of our being and the way of our being. When the truth, what we really say we believe is truth, becomes the way we live. That's when we know we've been transformed. Amen? You still with me? Last thing. As we know truth, the truth, him, it permeates our being and affects our ways. The result of that is his kingdom comes and we live his divine nature. Would you stand? We're just going to close in, in prayer. <clears throat> why, why do we talk about things like this? Because we have a world that's, that's praying for you and I to realize that we're sons and daughters. You realize that, that the, the lost world, the wicked world out there, is crying out, is groaning. The whole earth is groaning for you and I to realize that we're sons and daughters. Because sons and daughters will carry the nature of God to the earth and will heal the planet. It's just the way, it's, it's the way it is. We carry the solutions of heaven because we carry him. And if we get caught up in all this mess of trying to fix ourselves and live perfectly and do all this stuff, then we miss out on our real calling, and it's just being sons and daughters, being his sons and daughters. God, we ask right now that you would just continue and, and drive truth home in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what you do best and teach us right now. Just train us. Equip us now with the, the reality of what you're saying to us. Let it become muscle for us. Let it become experience in our lives. God, forgive us. <laughs> forgive us for not staying sons and daughters. If you feel like you've you know, moved from being a son or daughter, just right where you're at, just tell them, hey, I'm home. <laughs> I'm where I belong. I'm at your feet. <laughs> I am your son. I am your daughter. like I want to close we'll have prayer for specific things here in a moment but I want us to be challenged I I want us to feel like we're we're missing out on something to where it drives us to want it does that make any sense I want us to feel like man there's something available to me that I'm, I'm just haven't taken hold of and I need to take hold of it I want to live with an urgency that I actually carry solutions. I actually carry the, I carry the answer to people's issues, to my own issues. They're, they're there. It's in the connection with the Father. I don't want us to live as if this is what church is for, coming together and having a great time together. This isn't what church is for. We're here to transform the planet. We're here to bring people into an encounter. We're called to be reconcilers. Everyone in this room, if you said yes, to him. He gave you a ministry. You're in the ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. You have been equipped already. You have been called and equipped and chosen to make wrong things right, to fix things, to connect people to the Father. It's in your DNA from the youngest to the oldest. We all have it. It's time for us to begin to operate in our ministry. It's time for us to begin to live out the ministry that he's called us to. 
whether that's in the marketplace or whether it's in a church or on a worship team or, or on a, as a street evangelist, it doesn't matter what you do. Just be a minister of reconciliation. Bring the divine nature of God and let people that are with you encounter it. You don't have to do anything. It's just that being aware that I'm connected to the Father. If I'm connected to Him, what's flowing in Him should be flowing out of me. So God, we just if that's you, just lift your hands and just start praying and asking. God, help us. Help us to begin to partake of the divine nature that, that it will propel us into a ministry of reconciliation, God. We don't want a mundane life, God. We don't want a mundane relationship with you. We want to see the supernatural. We want to see people's broken hearts healed, God. We want to see transformation in our cities. God, more than ever before, we need to see the power that comes with the gospel. More than ever before, we need to see the, the God of the Bible become reality, God. Not just Bible stories and cute little little parables and, and anecdotes, God. We need to see a demonstration of who you are on the earth. And you have called us to be that demonstration. Make us all signs and wonders, God. Make us signs and wonders that point to you. Well, I'm just going to pray over you. If you know there's a gift in you that, that needs to be stirred up or increased, just start calling that gift out. Whatever it is, call it out. And I'm just going to begin to pray that God will begin to release things. God, I ask that you would release giftings right now. The gift of the prophetic. God, I ask that you raise up the prophetic gift in this house. The ability to, to lean in and hear what you're saying and then repeat what you're telling us to say. God, I release that right now. I release the gift of prophet. I ask that you would stir it and open it up in our hearts. Gifts of healing, God. I ask that you would stir up healing in our hands, God. Stir up healing in our hands. God, I ask that you would make our shadows healers. <laughs> I ask that you would make our shadows healers, God, that, that as we go, that healing would come. God, I even just sense you here now. I ask that you would release the gifts that are inside of us. Awaken the gifts. Activate the gifts inside of us now. Activate the divine nature that you've poured into us. God, let our before and after picture look very different. God, I ask that you would challenge our priorities. Challenge what we spend our time, our effort, our love, and our money on. Make us heaven-minded. I pray that the zeal that came upon Jesus would come upon us. A zeal for the house of God. A love for what is good, a hatred for what is evil. So we're going to have a week-long altar call. All right? 
you know, a week-long altar call and ask the Lord to just to come and assess our lives. Lord, assess my life, God. Lord, I need to trim some fat. What is worthless, meaningless? I love the old quote says, only one life that soon will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. No, I want to I want to do heavenly things that are eternal things. Amen. So look, look at, at trim the excess. It's okay. It's okay to do that. I, I know we, I, we all have excess in our lives. All of us. Just time wasters. Mindless activities. So just why don't you let the Lord and Holy Spirit talk with you this week. We're not giving these things up to get him to do something. We're not assessing our life to get him to move. He's moving. So we want to assess our lives. We just want to partner with him. We want to make room for him. So when the word comes inside of us, it makes room. It makes room. Amen? Thank you all so much all for being here. You guys are great. It's been a good day. I, I, I want to say this. If you're here and you aren't connected to the Father, your, your heart is away from him now. I feel like there are e- even people that are going to listen to this later, people that are in our families that aren't here. God's calling the prodigals home. He's just doing it. This is a season for that. When when they see their when they see fathers rise up again, they're going to run home. When fathers rise up, they're going to run home. Amen. So if if you're here though and you're one of those, come to this banner. Someone's going to pray for you. They're going to love you and they're going to remind you that you're a son and a daughter. And he's just been waiting for you, and he's got a ring for you, a robe for you, and sandals for your feet, right? If you need healing in your body, we're just asking for you to come to this healing banner. We just, we ask God to bring some healing over in this area, the atmosphere up here. You need healing for anything, come up there. And for anything else, I have to say it, it's magic carpet right here in the middle. We believe in magic in this church, and this is how we define magic. Miracles happen, dreams come true, nothing's impossible. I got to say the rest, because this is how we teach our kids. God's kingdom is the most magical kingdom, because he's the most magical of all kings. He just is. He's really that good. So if you need any kind of miracle, come to the carpet, anything else, we just bless you as you go. We, Holy Spirit, start a conversation with us that we don't stop. Amen.